Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I am your host, Doug McKenty. This is episode eight. I've recorded this on August 16th, 2017. If you like what you're listening to, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. Uh, if you want to find out more about what's going on here, join us on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty, or you can check out all my archives and some older work at theshiftnow.com. My guest on the program today is Del Bigtree, producer of the controversial documentary Vaxxed, exposing corruption at the highest levels of the Center, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, concerning the integrity of the scientific processes used to determine the safety of the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, and its potential links to the meteoric rise in the rates of autism among children born in the United States. The documentary focuses on conversations between biologist Dr. Brian Hooker and CDC whistleblower Dr. William Thompson. The film also follows, follows several families afflicted by autism that consistently found symptoms occurring right after the series of vaccines recommended by the CDC for children 18 months of age. Vaxxed rose to national prominence when it was accepted into the Tribeca Film Festival, only to get pulled from the lineup as a result of a barrage of attacks from the mainstream media. Stay tuned as we discuss the success the science behind the documentary, and the corporate agenda behind the mainstream's unflinching advocacy for the current CDC-recommended vaccine schedule that ultimately covers up what appears to be potential dangers. Dell, welcome to the program, and thanks for helping to make the shift. Oh, Doug, I appreciate you having me, man. Any shift possible, let's do it. Yeah, right, let's do it. <laughs> I uh, I had an opportunity to see you while you were up here uh, in my hometown of Fort Bragg in Northern California, Mendocino County. You came up to do a vaccine symposium that was actually put on by one of the members of our local uh, school board. And uh, I just have to say, I really enjoyed your presentation. You're one of the most passionate public speakers that I've seen. Um, and that's the kind of passion you got to bring to issues like this. I mean, I think it's so important to kind of show, you know, what's really happening uh, the mainstream media is doing such a terrible job of portraying it. And unfortunately, a lot of people just get sucked into the, I think, the high production values and and the message that's that message that's getting pushed over and over and over again to uh, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, follow the schedule. The CDC does no wrong. So um, why don't you just get started by telling us a little bit about your history and, you know, what got you involved in this whole project? Sure. I mean, you know, when you talk about it, I don't even think it's the, the, the great production value that they beat on you with this vaccine idea. It's, it's what you repeated. It's the repetition over. Vaccines are safe. Vaccines are fake. Everybody needs vaccines over. And we do not realize how often we are being fed that message throughout a day on every billboard, every sign, every television show we watch, every single commercial break is trying to beat into our heads that we cannot live with health on this planet without the pharmaceutical industry. We need their drugs. We need their vaccines. We need to keep injecting, popping every single thing that they can give us because we cannot survive without them. That is essentially what's happening on television. And I know that because I was a producer on the daytime talk show, The Doctors. Now, I'm not putting it on the show. The show is a great show. You know, we got to investigate the best that medicine has to offer. So the best surgeons, best scientists, new technologies. You know, I, get, I would get to find somebody that had some life, you know, ruining disease or problem or broken, you know, muscles not moving, bones not working right. And then I could go and search for a surgeon that was doing some new technology or finally figured out how to fix this thing and put these two people together on television and really save one person's lives and show the world what's possible in medicine. So I am a fan of science. I am a fan of great doctors, great medicine. There are doctors that I've watched work miracles and save people's lives. So I want to state that that's where I come from. But working on the doctor's television show, you also watch all the commercials we do. You watch our programming every time there's a little, you know, flu outbreak or a cold or or measles or or chicken pox. You know, you got to sell tickets and you sell tickets with drama. And so what we did was sort of just present that drama, just like all television, all news does. And when you watch how effective that is to use fear is what sells television. It's what sells people. That's our addiction. And that's what is used as the currency to affect our minds. Um, everybody does it. That's entertainment. I'm not putting it down. That's what it is. But you have to recognize this is entertainment. So while I was working on the daytime talks to the doctors and inside source, 
a doctor I'd worked with many times on other stories, contacted me and said, I've got an inside scoop for you in two weeks. There's going to be a whistleblower from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, a man named Dr. William Thompson, who's going to come forward and tell the world that, he's, that he has proof they've committed scientific fraud on the MMR autism study. That's one study, the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. This is the vaccine that parents around the world said their child got that vaccine and, and hours, days, weeks later suddenly lost the ability to walk, lost the ability to talk, lost all the development they had at a child and then ultimately became autistic. So what the CDC did was this study. They looked at, is this vaccine causing autism? And this man, Dr. William Thompson, did come forward and did say exactly that. I worked with five scientists back in 2000 to 2004. We were asked by the Congress of the United States to perform a study on the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. We did that study with 3,000 children from the Atlanta school area, uh, Atlanta City. And, uh, and in that study, we saw dramatic rises in autism in children that got the vaccine early versus those that got them later. So the study essentially was looking at, it's called a timing study. The hypothesis that was being questioned is, is the earlier child gets the MMR vaccine making them more likely to develop autism? So that's exactly what they found. Uh, the, what Thompson tells us is I ran African-American children uh, very early on in the study because they had a huge African-American group because they were in Atlanta. So he ran African-American children. What is it, you know, what is their rate of autism? And he saw immediately popping up as he grafted out. You have to understand Thompson was the mathematician. He was the guy running all of the data. The other four scientists would just advise him on what to run, but he was the guy building the graphs and seeing the data firsthand. And what he immediately saw was that African-American children were 2.64 times more likely to develop autism if they got the MMR vaccine between 12 and 18 months. That's the CDC scheduled time to get it compared to those that had waited till after three years old. So 2.6 times more likely, you know, 260% more likely to develop autism than those that just simply waited 18 more months. So it proved exactly what they were worried about, that the earlier you were getting the vaccine was making you more likely to have autism. Then they looked at just African-American boys. And this is what's really interesting, is that we know that autism is more prevalent in boys, some almost like four to one, depending on where you're at. So what we needed to see, you have to test us, you have to test a sample. You have to make sure, was this just an anomaly? Was it just a blip that somehow it looked like autism was increasing? What we would have to see is sort of a dramatic rise if we just looked at the boys. Then we would know we were seeing a real event taking place. That's what Thompson did. He ran the African-American boys, and just like what would be expected, there was an increase even to 3.56 times more likely to develop autism. So now they know they're looking at a real model. These kids are working just like our society. The boys are getting it worse, and the vaccine is affecting the issue. So you're almost four times more likely as an African-American boy to get autism if you get this vaccine at the same time the CDC is telling you to get it. So what Thompson came forward is said that we saw these anomalies. There was others even worse, but I don't want to get buried in the weeds, but many, many issues like that. They manipulated data. They went behind closed doors for almost four years. This was a study that was only supposed to take six months. They went into the data. They ran the numbers. They were supposed to tell the American people. Four years later, they came out with a study that said, hey, the MMR vaccine is perfectly safe, doesn't cause autism. This conversation is over. This is 2004. This conversation is now over based on our great study. And that was the last time the U.S. government ever paid to do a research project looking, is autism being caused by vaccines? So when you hear them say that, oh, we've looked extensively. In fact, that's the only place we have looked. We haven't looked anywhere else. Not true. In 2004 was the last penny ever spent by this country. And now what we know is what stopped the payments investigating was this fraudulent study. And Thompson tells us we threw out data. We manipulated data tables. They kicked half the kids off of the study in the middle of the study, which is total scientific fraud. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, he tells us they dragged a big garbage can in the middle of the room on the things they couldn't make disappear through scientific and mathematical tricks. And they destroyed their data. They threw all their documents and their data in a big garbage can. Lucky for us, William Thompson, even at that time, was complaining in emails to the head of the CDC saying, I'm not going to lie. 
Luckily, he put uh, copies of everything in a safe, and that's what makes up facts. You get to hear his confession. You can see some of these emails where he's complaining to the top of the chain. I'm not going to lie. We have a problem with this vaccine. And then you see it all disappear. It is going to be one of the worst government cover-ups in the history of this country. This is going to make Watergate look like it was a nursery game. Yeah, that's amazing. And the study uh, was just between the, the whether or not you get the vaccine at 18 months or three years. So we didn't even get any information, say, compared to uh, kids that never got the vaccine at all. Can you, can you imagine? I mean, literally everyone in this study got the vaccines. And so if it was worse, just wait, you know, that much waiting for 18 months. What if you never what if you compare those early vaccinated kids with kids that never got the vaccine at all? Right. We don't know what that number could be. I mean, you can only speculate. Is it going to be 10 times, 20 times more likely to develop autism? That's a study that everyone in this country should be demanding right now from our medical department. If vaccines are safe and effective, as they say over and over and over again, then do one simple study. And that is you have a database. We, we've had meetings with heads of the health departments on this, me and uh, Bobby Kennedy. You have databases at the CDC that have over 10 million people in it. One's called the VSD, the Vaccine Safety Data Link. What we're saying is we want to look at those 10 million. We have computer learning. We have computers that can go in and run everybody's data through that. And we can look at the unvaccinated children and their health comes, health outcomes compared to the vaccinated children and their health outcomes. Are the unvaccinated having rates of autism at one in 45 like the rest of the nation? Do they have one in 13 having asthma? Do they have one in 14 ADD, ADHD? You know, the list goes on. Childhood cancers, multiple sclerosis. We have an autoimmune disease crisis happening in this nation. One in two children in America now has an autoimmune disease. One in seven kids has a speech delay, which is a neurological issue. This, you, when I say that, I am not describing the childhood that I had. We were not that sick. Mm-hmm. Nobody had asthma. I remember one kid in my entire school had one of those inhalers, now four or five kids in every classroom. Peanut butter. You can't bring peanut butter to schools. Can't have peanuts on a plane because we have deadly food allergies. When did you ever hear of a deadly food allergy when we were kids? Something is going drastically wrong with our immune system. And what I'm saying, you know, people say that I'm anti-science. I'm pro-science. I mean, if you're going to talk about science, what if we're going to accept what they're saying is true, that this is normal, that this lack of health, these levels of cancer, this level one and two autoimmune disease, then what you're telling me is that somehow evolution has skipped the human being. Every other animal on this planet evolves to adapt better and better to its environment, except the human being. We are getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Somehow we are starting to die off on this planet. And if we're not going to blame it on pesticides and vaccines, then we better get really afraid. What is going on? How have we fallen out of the nature and the science of evolution? Isn't it amazing, actually, because it seems like we're talking about everything else. I mean, why aren't why aren't we talking about, you know, vaccines and pesticides for that matter? I mean, there's there's a toxicity crisis. I think it's pretty obvious and it is a crisis of epic proportions. So. You know, what is going on where people aren't really discussing what actually seems to happen? Instead, you're getting called names. I mean, the anti-science thing is something that even happens to me in my own community when I try to bring up these topics. I get called anti-science. It's like, what are you talking about? Here's the studies that I'm talking about. You know, where are your studies? They don't They don't know. They've just been – they've heard it over and over and over again, like you were saying. Right. Can you um talk about – working with Andrew Wakefield and what he went through in England back in, in 98, because it's just another example of somebody who's looking into this MMR vaccine and then running into this same brick wall. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people say he's the beginning of this entire discussion. I mean, you had, you know, I don't know how in depth you want to go, but essentially everybody holds Andrew Wakefield up as the demon of, you know, vaccine uh, denialism and uh, kills children and, you know, performs, you know, dangerous and invasive procedures on handicapped kids. I mean, the, the things they've said about this man are as as horrific an accusation as you can make on anybody. 
And I can only say that it was an honor to get to spend the year I spent with that man in an editing bay, pouring through these scientific documents, having him express his understanding of measles, of disease, of the human body, uh, was uh, nothing short of a total honor. But let's talk about what happened to Andy Wakefield, because this is the only, this is literally their one hit wonder. This is their one song. There was this UK doctor that created this fraudulent paper that said that MMR is causing autism. It proved to be a lie as a fraud, and his paper was pulled, and he lost his license. That's pretty much, isn't that how we've all heard the story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Here's the real story. The real story is you had one of the top gastroenterologists in the world named Andy Wakefield. This man had done 170 published medical journals on Crohn's disease and other intestinal diseases. Top in the world, okay? And by the way, I think sixth generation medical doctor in his family. His family come from a historic legendary family of doctors. So he's a serious cat. He gets a call from a, a, a mother of an autistic child and she says to Andy, um, I read your paper on Crohn's disease, and I was wondering if you would take a look at my son. Uh, he has he has autism. And Andy said, I don't know anything about autism. I, you must have called the wrong number. She says, no. But my child has, you know, a, a major gut problem. But when you describe Crohn's, you're describing what I think is happening with my son. He can't communicate, but he's grabbing his stomach. He has diarrhea for weeks at a time that's like acid, like it's got bleed. It, feels, it, so, it smells like bleach and it burns clothing and you know he's like well bring the kid in you know and this is how this started it's a case study what people one of the things they strike against andy is well it was only 12 kids well that's how science works people if someone is suggesting there's some anomaly or a new problem out there you don't suddenly grab a thousand people you grab 12 you know a little group of, you know that are saying this is what's happening and you investigate them first to see if there's any reason to investigate this further Andy took on 12 families all claiming the exact same thing. Our children have autism. They develop this bad intestinal problem where they're just not healthy. They're losing weight. They can't eat. They seem in pain. They're writhing. They're pounding their stomach against, you know, doorknobs and things. Something's wrong with their stomach. That was what was investigated. And what Andy discovered, what the, what the paper really pointed out, and they call it the Lancet paper, was that when they investigated these 12 kids, they realized, for instance, when they were going to do a colonoscopy, because they had to look to see what was happening in the intestines of these children, they weren't doing ridiculous invasive procedures for no reason. The children had an intestinal disease. They were investigating that. But when they would give them the fluids and the, you know, the clear out the day before they were going to get a colonoscopy, in many of these kids, all of a sudden, they'd watch like all the stemming, the hand movements, the pounding the head against the wall would suddenly stop. Simply clearing the guts out of these children, they watched their mannerisms and the mental handicap, parts of it disappearing. I mean, that's can, can you imagine seeing that as a doctor? You're like, oh my God, we've been right. told that autism is a psychological issue, and it turns out it may actually be attached to our intestines, our gut health. I mean, what an idea. Think about it. this was 1998. We're getting used to hearing this every day now. This is being reported every day in science journals left and right. Schizophrenia can be affected by your gut health, your mood, your depression. Over and over, papers are publishing this. Andy was just way too far ahead of his time. That's what the study showed. There was a novel gut disease associated with autism. Now, eight of the 12 parents all claim that their children got the autism right after the MMR vaccine. Well, as a case study, you write down everything that everybody says, and he wrote that down. And what he says at the end of the study is, look, it, I know there's going to be a lot of attention on the MMR now, and this study was not designed to prove that the MMR is causing autism. More investigation needs to be done on that. Well, that was the big smoking gun. Andy did lose his license for this paper, though. And what people need to know is there was 13 top scientists on this study. So that's what, as a journalist, when I found out, I, the person that has the Thompson story is Andy Wakefield. I'm going to have to work with this guy. I'd heard all the bad stories. You know, I work, I'm a medical journalist. I know who he is. And I thought, you know, what is the real story? What is his story? If he, why is he still out there fighting? Why are we still talking about this guy? And what was so wrong with his, his paper and his study? And what you find out is there's 13 other scientists, 12 other scientists on this study. Hold on. I was told this was the Andy Wakefield fraud, like one doctor went off and did something crazy in a back office. You're telling me top 13 of the top scientists in their departments 
in the world were all signing onto this paper, and this guy somehow committed fraud underneath all their noses and got them to sign their names to it? Come on, that is beyond, that goes far beyond any logical thing you could imagine happening. That would mean this guy's not just a fraud, he's a diabolical mastermind from, you know, a, a, a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. I mean, you, you just can't even buy it, you know? So in the end, they, uh, the General Medical Council came under huge pressure. All the pressure from the pharmaceutical industry was this guy's going to make people afraid of vaccines. And he was continuing to investigate. So they knew he was on their ass. Mm -hmm. And they ended up bringing him into court and his partner, uh, John Walker Smith. So two of the 13 scientists lost their license. And here's what it came down to. The question before the general medical council, not a real courtroom, not a real judge, but a medical body. Was it either clinical research or, um, or clinical investigation or medical research? Those two terms. Clinical investigation means I'm going to do a colonoscopy or spinal taps or these things you do to test you know, the health of a child's intestines. Clinical investigation means I'm doing that to help that child. I'm going to try and save this kid's life and make him healthier. If I'm doing those tests on the child that I'm treating, I don't need ethical approval from the board of the university or the school or the hospital I work for. But if it's medical research, which means I'm doing these studies on this kid and I have no intention of healing or helping the kid, I'm just doing it to research a, a broader issue, then, of course, you have to go get ethical approval. You have to say, look it, we're going to be doing tests on this kid that aren't going to help him for the greater good. You have to have an ethics board say, well, okay, we approve it because of the severity of the issue. So what the General Medical Council decided was that Andy and Professor Smith had been doing medical research, therefore should have gotten ethical approval that they had not gotten, and therefore their licenses were pulled for malpractice. It was never fraud that was proved. None of that will John Walker Smith appealed that decision, and three years ago, a courtroom looked at it, and, and the judge admonished, absolutely went berserk on the General Medical Council and said it was clear that these doctors were doing clinical investigation, meaning helping those children, because John Walker Smith kept those children, many of them for three and four years beyond the study, to continue treating them. Therefore, he was treating them. Neither of these guys needed ethical approval for what was done. Andy was just observing the treatment and then writing a paper about it. This paper should stand. It will go down in history as one of the great moments in science where we could have turned a corner for the better. And instead, it's going to be like a Salem witch trial. Everybody will, is going to eat it on this one because we have been built a foundation of baloney on Andy Wakefield and this fraud, and we have set the science of vaccines behind by 15 years. Well, that's the amazing thing, is to see how attacked he got. Um, I mean, it was just way overblown for theoretically what whatever the crime may have been. I mean, when you look at, at the study, at the paper, what does he do? He recommends further study. Okay, no big deal. And then he says, while we're studying this, maybe you should take the individual vaccines instead right. of the MMR. He doesn't even come out and say, oh, I'm anti-vax. I mean, like you were saying before, uh. everybody in the world is saying, oh, this crazy quack anti-vax doctor is anti-science and committed fraud. And that's not at all what He's was really never going said on. it. He's never said that. He never said stop vaccinating. He said keep vaccinating, but use single vaccines, not this one that's been put together. Something might be wrong with it. I'm going to look into it, but you pointed it out. He said more research needed to be done. He didn't lose his license because he did that paper, which really doesn't say anything. He lost his license because he wasn't going to stop. He had already started three or four more studies, real like primate studies, testing things on monkeys with the vaccine. He was all over it, and that's what they had to stop. That's right. what was going to be a problem because they had a vaccine program that was based on multiple vaccines together. They were patentable. It gave them monopolies of the business versus having to compete with each other on these singular vaccines. Once you grouped it together, you had a product you owned, and this became a, a giant financial driver for these industries, and they drove the pressure into our governments to – you know, to push these vaccines. And they simply destroyed one doctor's life and it scared everybody else around. It really was, you have to tell, you know, you have to point it out. It's, it's brilliant. I mean, the, to think that they could destroy one doctor so incredibly that it would send a rift that nobody else would go near vaccines for another decade or two, I wouldn't have believed that was possible. But then again, you know, it, 
things like that happen. I mean, clearly it worked because doctors are terrified to tell the truth. And when we were working on Vax, I can't tell you how many doctors that I approached because of my contacts um, that said, look at Dell. I'm talking about heads of medical schools, by the way. I know vaccines cause autism, but I will never say that in front of a camera because I don't want to get wakefielded. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that shows you how censorship really works. It's like a passive, passive aggressive way of, of shutting people down with that. You don't have to burn books in the street anymore. You know, you just make an example out of somebody and everybody else runs away. Shit. So then we've got these two examples that you cover in, in the movie about where, you know, real scientists are trying to do real science on these vaccines. And they're essentially prevented from doing it as soon as they start to find any information that might link the vaccines to autism. But you also cover then uh, loads of circumstantial evidence. You've got family after family telling their story. Well, I took my kid in, they got the MMR vaccine, and then the next day they got autism. So, yeah. I mean, what did you find there too? One of the things I think you, just to quote you from the movie, you actually said, look, we've got thousands of, of families that are coming forward and saying there's a connection here. We've seen it. What's going on, you know? I mean, across the world, hundreds of thousands, we may be into millions of parents telling this same story. They've never met each other. Many of them never even heard there was an issue, never even knew that vaccines cause a problem, but they saw it with their own eyes. And when, you know, when someone tells you their story truthfully and honestly in their passion and their, you know, you know, maybe one story you think, well, it's an anomaly or maybe they're some, they just put two things together you know, it's anecdotal. That's what it's just. It's anecdotal that the, they got autism the same time they got the vaccine. Then you hear the story a second time, a third time, a fifth time, a tenth time, a hundredth time, a thousand times, ten thousand times, a hundred thousand times. I'm sorry. I don't care what's happening in your little lab back in, in the CDC. I don't know what your computer's doing, but put your head out the window. We have a serious crisis out here. Yeah, there, you know there, what I mean? There might be some causality going on. I you mean, know? <laughs> come on. What's it, what's it got to take? I mean, you know, I, I keep trying to not get into like Nazi Germany references, but we do always ask ourselves because I wasn't alive in that time. How did the Jews, you know, not know this was coming? Or you hear all these Germans saying, I didn't know they were taking them off to concentration camps. And you're thinking it was 20 miles down the road. Right. Yet you have a parent and you're like, oh, that, I would never be a Nazi. I would never make them. Or I would, I would know. I'm aware of what's happening around me. You have a neighbor right next to you that will tell you the story of their child with tears pouring down their face, with such recollection of the moment, the timing, vaccine, an hour later, a seizure, fever went to 107. I was holding them all night. Then they just went quiet. They stopped breathing. I shook them, and then I took them to the hospital. I didn't know what was going on, and then they never spoke again. They never, ever said my name again. They never walked again. Oftentimes, the doctors even said, well, this is just a vaccine reaction. It'll go away. Well, it didn't go away. My child was autistic after that. Right. What... What do you have to hear? How have we allowed ourselves to believe that humanity is that far off, that this many parents are that delusional, that somehow, oh, they want something to blame. They just need something to blame. Really? I can tell you that for every one of these parents, realizing it was the vaccine was the hardest moment of their life, the most difficult piece of understanding they ever had to wrap their head around. They wanted it to be their genetics. They wanted it to be their DNA. What can I do about it? Something went wrong in utero. You know, that it's not my fault. I, there's nothing I can do. The moment you come to the conclusion that it was the vaccines, you didn't just get it off your chest. You put this 800-pound gorilla on your shoulders the rest of your life, and you have to say, why didn't I know better? Why didn't I know? Can you imagine how hard it is to come to that conclusion? I assure you, these parents are only saying this publicly to warn every one of you out there that this is happening and it's happening at catastrophic levels. We're at one in 45 children with autism up from one in 10,000 in the 80s. We are on our way to one in two children being diagnosed with autism by the year 2032. If something does not stop the scientific, mathematical, chartable climb that autism is on right now, 
We are talking about the end of our nation. We are talking about not being able to mount a standing army. We are going to come to a grinding halt under a cost of medicine and medical supplies and taking care of these of, of half of our nation being in, unable to hold jobs and communicate. Wake up, people, please. Wake up. The last thing you need right now is more forced vaccination laws. We should stop forced anything. No GMOs, no pesticide, no vaccines. We should check the water. We should be spending millions and millions. We should be pouring millions of dollars into this issue because something is doing it. I believe vaccines is the most obvious cause because I've, there are hundreds of thousands of people that all pointed autism out in the lineup. If you think about this, if it was a murder incident, the only suspect that has been left let go and set free is the one suspect hundreds of thousands of people pointed to in a lineup and there's no one else to replace it. We don't have any other idea what's causing autism, but we know it's not the guy we let go that 200,000 people pointed to. You know, that's what blows me away. I think the most about the whole thing. I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this interview and it, it did, it hit me that it's like, okay, you know, I, I see that we have this autism epidemic. Gosh, I think it might be vaccines. And then you get the whole world saying, you're crazy. It's not vaccines. And you say to them, well, then what is it? Do you have an idea what's causing this? And there's nothing. It's like, okay, I mean, we can have a conversation about this, but you you refuse to even talk. You're not you're not putting forward any other theories, any other ideas. I mean, the mainstream media is just not talking about it. Well, let it, me. Yeah. And, and I, I want because, you know. The film has been out for over a year. It's a worldwide sensation. But I was stuck having the conversation right where we're at right now on Vax for, for many months. But then I started investigating things. And what I want people to know is beyond Vax. Vax is really not about vaccines. Vax really is about a government cover-up. You have an insider. It's one of the most intriguing documentaries you will ever see of how the government and money and financial interests go against the, the health and safety of the people. That's what the film is about. But my investigation now, I've gone and looked and I've read the scientific research. When they say we've studied it and vaccines don't cause autism, I cannot tell you what a lie that is. There is virtually zero real scientifically acceptable studies proving the safety of vaccines. It does not exist. They do not test our vaccines before they're put on the market like they do every other drug. There is no double-blind placebo group where one group got the drug and one group got a saline injection or, or a sugar pill. That, you know, every drug we take goes through that. Five, six, seven years, we follow both groups to see, does this drug cause something other than what we're looking at, like cancer? Does it cause mutation in genes? Does it cause autoimmune disease? You know, and it, it does tend to, you know, every drug has some side effects. We hear them on the television. But it goes through six or seven years. Hepatitis B injected into a one-day-old baby. You know how long the safety testing period was pre-licensing? Hmm. Five days. Yeah. <laughs> five days. They injected you know, a bunch of kids, watched them for five days, and then said, all right, it's safe. Put it on the market. So if that kid has a seizure on day six, that study didn't see it, wouldn't show it. You would never know. If that child dies a week later from SIDS, then you won't know. Study didn't catch it. And if they get autism in three years, no way of knowing. We stopped looking after five days. That's true for almost every vaccine. Polio vaccine, 48 hours. The, one of the biggest studies ever done, 30 days on the HIV vaccine. And never against a saline placebo group. So the science is not being done to put it on the market. It's being fast-tracked on the market. Think about how crazy that is. We talk about fast-tracking tra AIDS drugs or cancer drugs because my, my wife's dying or my, you know, my, my, my husband or my child's dying. I will try anything at this point, okay? Maybe there's an argument to have some sort of fast-tracking system. But vaccine, that is not the case. These children that are going to be receiving these vaccines are perfectly healthy. They are 100% healthy, born on a planet that we've existed on for 10,000 years, evolved as the most intelligent, capable beings 
on this planet. That's how they're born in the world. When you inject something into that perfectly healthy kid, I would think it should have gone through 20 times the amount of safety testing, not a fraction of it. And so, you know, and then we went to the health departments and said, okay, you're not doing any pre-licensing testing. You clearly see how dangerous that is. So what is your post-licensing studies? What, what's going on there? Can we do a vax versus unvax? Can we look at kids that got vaccines versus those that didn't to make sure they're actually healthier? They said in both circumstances, we will not do a pre-licensing safety study on any vaccine because it would be unethical. And we're not going to do a post-licensing vax versus unvax study on our database of 10 million people because it's not possible. Wow. It's not possible to compare unvaccinated kids to vaccinated kids. Well, we literally said, are you not the brain trust of our scientific bodies for the United States of America? You can't compare two different groups of people. Am I missing something? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is they never even think about testing multiple vaccines at the same time. So, you know, they're not testing these single vaccines, but then the vaccine schedule is for what? You know, multiple vaccines for over the course of years, you're just pumping kids full of these things and you have no idea what one of them is doing but much less 10 of them or 20 of them or 80 shots over 15 yeah, 70, years. 72 vaccines here in California by the time you're 18 and, and growing. There's 270 vaccines in the pipeline, um, thousands of vaccine trials going on. This is the future of the pharmaceutical industry. People got to wake up. They don't care about your health. Right. There are so many other things that kill you so much worse than measles. Do you know why they don't have a vaccine for it? Because they haven't figured it out yet. They only create fears about the things that they have vaccines for. You could not vaccinate for every microbe, every virus. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of ways to die on this planet. Right. And they're trying to make money off of everyone they can figure out. It's not making you safer. It's making you sicker. Did you notice the the amazing push by the mainstream media about Zika right before the Zika virus got, they got like $5 billion. So the mainstream media comes, pushes the Zika. Oh my God, microcephaly, it's, it's killing your babies. And then Congress gives $5 billion for a vaccine study against the Zika virus, which is like getting a cold. And the pharmaceutical companies run away with that $5 billion. You have no idea what's going on. And they're working on another vaccine for Zika. And it's just like, and then the media... That, you know, it dies off right after they get their money. Nobody's talking about Zika anymore. But like you were saying, they just used fear. They got everybody all scared about the Zika virus. As you say, you're dying of all kinds of other things. And Zika, Zika, becomes... <laughs> Zika was a gift, really, for anybody that still has any brain cells working in their head. Right. Because I always say I can't argue polio and smallpox. I wasn't there. I can talk about different scientists were saying different things at the same time. Whatever. But Zika happened right before our eyes. You know, we had a virus that, by the way, is still all over South America. It's everywhere. Suddenly, and it had been there for, you know, nearly 100 years. And then suddenly 3,000 babies are, are born with these shrunken baby heads. And then all of a sudden, you know, so remember how long, okay, we heard about shrunken baby heads. And then within like three weeks, there was saying, we think it's the Zika virus. And I think within a month, maybe two at the most, said... Zika's causing microcephaly, causing shrunken baby heads. Now, everybody else just goes, okay, Sanji Gupta said it, moving on. I'm not going <laughs> to travel below, you know, Denver, Colorado. I don't want to get, you know, bitten by a Zika mosquito. Yeah. But you've got to use your brain. Think about it for a second. You don't even have to be a scientist. Just think about every other disease you've ever watched investigated. How long did it figure out AIDS? How long did it take to figure out cancer? Still haven't. You know, actually, what have we ever really even figured out now that you think about it? <laughs> right. But what you did manage to figure out in three weeks was that a virus that's all over South America and Africa suddenly mutated because there were no shrunken baby heads till this one year. All of a sudden, this virus has been around, must have mutated and gained this ability to shrink your head. And we were able to prove that was happening, that this that this this change in the Zika virus had taken place in three weeks. I'm sorry, <laughs> right. folks. Meanwhile, remember that the whole time it's going on, the CDC is asking for one point eight billion dollars to investigate Zika. We got to get to the bottom of this. While they were staying, they hadn't finished the question to ask Obama for the one point eight billion dollars before suddenly they had the answer. It's caused by Zika. 
Right. What did you need the $1.8 billion for? It was that easy to figure out that there was a mutation of the virus. What are we doing here? Laundering money? You know? Look <laughs> yeah. At it. You know? I mean, <laughs> right. it, something doesn't add up, folks. You know? <laughs> and now we have a real problem. Now we have a real problem because Zika is in every country surrounding Brazil. You know, it's, it's, you get a headache, you get a fever. It's a bummer, you know? But you're not, there's no microcephaly. No shrunken baby heads anywhere. Right. Now, that's why everyone's like, so, well, we better back off. Sanjay, better stop talking about this because, um, <laughs> you know, it's really hard to explain how not only did the Zika virus mutate it, it only mutated in, like, you know, a tiny little region, and it doesn't seem to spread. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's, though, not talk about the fact that what I say is when you get food poisoning, what do you say to yourself? What do you say? What do you ask? You get food poisoning, you feel like crap. What's the first thing you think in your mind? What what I put in my body that made me feel like crap? What did I eat? What did I <laughs> yeah. eat? What did I do? What did I just do differently yeah, that yeah. suddenly has gone so incredibly wrong? Okay. Right. <laughs> so if you have a nation where suddenly three thousand babies have these little, you know, peanut-sized heads, not to, I, I shouldn't make it's not funny. It's terrible. Well, it's there's dramatic. nothing more but, frightening than no. shrunken baby heads, right? I but mean, that's then, the point. Right. You should say to yourself, what happened last year. What happened in the life cycle of these pregnant moms in the nine months they had babies that was different than everybody else before their time? It wasn't Zika. Zika, these women have been getting Zika for a long time. Right. But even if, you know, so what else happened? Maybe it is Zika. I'm, we, I don't know. I'm just saying there's no way they could prove it that fast. Well, what else we know happened was the year before they mandated the Tdap vaccine for all pregnant women. They made it mandatory. If you were pregnant, you had to go in and get a Tdap vaccine, tetanus, diphtheria, acellular pertussis, a vaccine that we still don't give pregnant women. We're thinking about it. I think it's nuts. It has never been tested on pregnant women ever. Yeah, right. And I'm not saying that that Tdap vaccine caused these women to have, you know, babies with small heads. But what I'm saying is, how was that never a part of the discussion on CNN? How did that... I mean, is that is it that anti-science? Is that am I a crazy person to say here is a major change? You have affected the immune system of a mother carrying a fetus. Somehow, is it just implausible that that reacted poorly in the baby and caused some sort of anomaly? In fact, why do we vaccinate pregnant women? Because women that are pregnant, when they do get diseases, that's what we thought caused autism. You don't want to get sick. That's true. You don't want to get sick while you're pregnant. You want to stay healthy. But what happens if you're actually making the body sick? You're giving them a disease. You may not feel it. It might be a light dose. But what we're seeing is it's called immune activation. And this is what it's all going to come down to. Mm -hmm. With the baby, the immune activation of the mother is what they've discovered causes potentially autism, psychological future problems like schizophrenia was simply the mother's immune system kicking into gear affects and swells the brain of the child because they get wow. and that and that's there's so much science moving in this direction so the last thing now that we see science proving immune activation is the problem we don't want to activate the mother's immune system we should be giving no vaccines do you know that the the mother's immune system is just it totally drops out while they're pregnant the body does that naturally so it won't attack the fetus you know, wow. see the fetus is a foreign entity. So by nature, their immune system drops down to almost nothing. That's why you want to be very healthy when you go into your pregnancy. But can you imagine if the body's nature, natural state from, from evolution, or if you believe in God, this perfect setup where it's trying to not fight the baby and be very gentle in the environment, now we inject a vaccine and force your immune system to kick into gear? It was naturally shut down for a reason and now you just cooked it into gear. It makes no sense. It's totally crazy. You have to have your head in a, in, a, in a beaker to not understand there's something wrong with this process, and there's too many parents having, you know, affected children, too many babies dying. We don't want the immune system of babies kicking in with seven vaccines at two months, seven more at four months, seven more at six months, you know? It's... It doesn't make any sense, and we're not even talking about neurological aluminum, you know, aluminum and mercury and flu shots or all of the other toxins I'm just talking about. Simply activating the immune system may be one of the biggest scientific mistakes we ever made.
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. And that's when, I don't know, I mean, it should really raise a red flag. You've got all these people that are calling anti-science, but when you just bring up these questions, when you're not allowed to talk about it, where's the science? And and again, you get all these people that say, oh, there have been study after study after study. Well, where are they? Because they're do right, like, not there. Do I sound like a person that doesn't think about science? I know, and All right? I'm talking about is science. This <laughs> is science. This is the science of our time. It's published in PubMed. I say, I don't say anything that's not published in a medical journal. It's all there. Our nation's avoiding it. All around the world, studies showing that vaccines, you know, that aluminum specifically, which is in all of our childhood vaccines, in rat study after rat study, causes autism, causes Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. And one of the top people that got into this, I mean, these are facts. I know we only have so much time, but there's things I don't talk about. There's a great doctor named Chris Shaw, a scientist up in British Columbia, who is one of the um, top uh, doctors on Lou Gehrig's disease. He's one of the best in the world. Well, all of a sudden, our military was coming back from the Gulf War with a three times the rate of, of Lou Gehrig's disease than, than the regular population. And so they had him look into it. And so as a professional, he looked into it, looked at all these different things. Is it, is it some of the depleted uranium? Is it the environment? What's going on? And then he comes across aluminum. And says, oh, man, there's a lot of aluminum in this anthrax shot and all these shots wow, are getting. Wow, yeah, right. Let me give rats the, their dose of aluminum like we're giving these soldiers and see what happens. Obliterated their brains. Right. They were incapable of finishing mazes. I mean, they were totally destroyed. Gut disease, diarrhea, sick, spinning around, antisocial. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he started doing rat studies of, well, what is the, if I give them the doses that's in the childhood schedule, what happens? You know, and he sees autism in the rats, the things that are markers for autism, suddenly not communicating socially, can't finish the maze, can't remember what it just did. And when he tells the world, we, I mean, we hired him. We said, will you look at our, our military? You know what they said? Crickets. Nothing. They didn't yeah. even attack him. They didn't want any attention on him. They just never talked about it. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, I guess, you know, we've got the... Uh like 15 minutes left and there's so much to talk about. It's actually kind of mind blowing, but I mean, I'm trying to imagine because everything that you're saying just makes it's, it's not even science. It's common sense at a certain level. You've got to be like, look, I've observed this with my eyes, you know, something's going on. Something's being covered up here over and over again. It's actually um, kind of shocking, but so why don't we spend the last part of the interview talking about like how is the mainstream media so complicit? I think you know what we're people just have a tendency to trust it. I mean, I normally intelligent people, I'm talking to them and then they'll just be like, "What? Oh, you're one of those anti-vaxxers. God, you're just a crazy person." And I can just watch their eyeballs just like glaze over and be like, oh, my God, you're one of them. And it's like, wait a minute. Can we even have a conversation? I mean, they tune out because they just assume, oh, I've heard that vaccines are wonderful from every authority figure and every talking head on TV since I was old enough to even understand what I was listening to. They couldn't all be lying to me. So, you know, right. these these outsiders must be crackpots or something. So how I mean, how you know, how does that happen? How is it how is it possible that? You know, these corporate this corporate machine can just have such total control over, you know, the bulk of the information that people are getting about their health. It really comes down to one simple statement. Who's your daddy? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is that simple. You know, the our televisions and our media is owned by the pharmaceutical industry, almost literally. You know, set, you know, somewhere between 60 to 75 percent of advertising on television is coming from the pharmaceutical industry. They are paying the highest amounts of money, billions and billions of dollars. So if you know, if you don't understand how TV works, the TV is not on because you just simply turn it on. There's, you're not paying a fee. I mean, we're not talking about cable, but what pays it is they are the commercials you're watching. They're what pay for it. So if a show uh, you know why a show gets canceled? Because too many of those advertisers aren't selling enough of their products to enough people. That show no longer has any value. It must be canceled. Same thing for news now. The news will be canceled if the people, if the commercials in between the news, when they're trying to scare you over whatever Korean you know, nuclear missile crisis there right. is, or you know, in between those spots of things that you think are important, if they don't sell enough diapers, if they don't sell enough, you know, aspirin, if they don't sell enough drugs, if they don't sell, you know, 
All of the vaccines are pumping on you. If you're not going out, you know, tomorrow to to get your shingles vaccine, then that show's going to get canceled. And now imagine if you actually have a story that one of those products that's advertising between your commercial breaks or, you know, the Merck, who is actually like listed on CNN's own website as one of their primary <laughs> right. sponsors. Yeah. Imagine trying to do a story that the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine causes autism, a vaccine made by Merck, the guy that just paid your network, you know, how many billions of dollars last year for Super Bowl ads and everything else. If you say that statement, you do that story, the head top of the network gets a call and that goes all the way down the line like a guy like me and a producer like me. And if I don't get fired, I must certainly understand I will never touch a topic like that again. Understood? Right. Understood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I've actually been wondering because, you know, of course, in this last week, we've had now uh, this major race riot that's happened mm-hmm. and that's all through the news cycle and i'm just watching the way that it's getting covered and i'm getting frustrated as i usually do when i watch the mainstream media because yeah. there's so much more subtle things going on on whatever both sides of the issue we could be having in-depth conversations and instead i you know and i it's just it's dawning on me how much ratings drive this machine so they really have it's not about telling you know it's not about digging into the real facts and finding the truth because a lot of times that's boring you know that's a guy right. in a white lab coat doing real science right, right. oh yeah that doesn't <laughs> sell tickets who yeah. wants to watch that <laughs> I know. you know you want you want a three ring circus you want lions and, <laughs> and hoops of fire man or you're leaving yeah. you know Exactly. And so when you've got this kind of spectacularism that's driving the narrative, then you're not really getting any kind of real truth from the mainstream media. I mean, it, it really yeah. is just selling tickets like you're talking about. And it's dangerous. It's not I, it's non-functional, you know. I had a really funny realization at, at a totally di- you know, on, on a deep level because I have a show like yours, like once a week I'm doing a show. Nice. And five days ago, I'm like, geez, next Thursday, I got to cover this North Korea missile standoff between the president and, you know, the head of North Korea and the fact that they're threatening to launch missiles at each other and they're doing, you know, uh, nuclear bomb drop drills in Hawaii. You know, I, right. you know, this thing's obviously being blown out of proportion. And, you know, I, I was like, it, it felt like high school where you, they're locking arms and saying, go, go, go for two morons sitting in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Why are you pushing these two idiots any further than they already are? I know, right? You know? And here's what's crazy. Team. My show's tomorrow, and that story's dead. I right? mean, that story has disappeared. <laughs> we were on the verge of a nuclear holocaust five days ago, and now a race riot's stealing all the coverage. Nuclear war over. Yep. Go back to sleep. Ever. I was like, that's incredible how big a deal they made that into and how quickly it just gets tossed off like a feather. Yeah. Moving on. That's sensationalism. That's what you got to start questioning. What are you watching? Just like the measles attack in, in uh, Disney Disneyland or the Zika virus. Uh, or I remember before they were pushing the flu vaccine, it was like, remember the, you know, the swine, swine flu, flu or, yeah. or the bird the, flu. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, w- I wrote that stuff. I scared the hell out of a lot of people. That know, stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember a headline about the Spanish flu in 1918. Oh, yeah. The Spanish flu killed 50,000 people. Oh, my God. Think about that. They still they bring up polio and smallpox the same way as though, you know what I mean? Yeah. Be aware of the Black Plague. Yeah. The Black Plague can come back. Like, what? hold on a second. We have sewage. We have toilets and running water. There's a huge difference between the world we live in now and the terror of these ancient diseases that wiped you out simply because you were drinking feces water. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's the most amazing thing about it. I mean, I literally, my wife gave me this book for Christmas, right, about vaccines, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll check it out. The vaccine issue actually for me is something that's interesting because we, we were, we've been vaccine skeptics. My son was born in 98 and we didn't do it. And, but I was always kind of like, I was just skeptical of it. I didn't. And every once in a while, somebody would be like, oh, you should really, I don't know where you're coming from. You should look into it. So I'd look into it and then I'd, I'd look into it and I'd go, oh my God, I'm so glad that, you know, you know weird. people I, say I, I, I looked the right into choice. it and I decided to do it. I was like, where did you look? I mean, honestly, yeah. like it's so hard <laughs> to even start looking into this without going, oh my God. Oh, that's, yeah. that's ugly. Yeah. Oh, what's this video? Well, <laughs> wow. Yeah. They, oh, I wouldn't want that to happen. You know what I mean? I, 
they it just people just blindly making this decision because someone with a stethoscope is telling them trust yeah. me yeah, trust the me figure. and if you don't trust me just keep listening to cnn because they'll help me on this you need vaccines you can't live without them i i get this book and it's going through the history of vaccines so they had vaccines since like 1705 yeah. and for some reason even in areas that were massively vaccinated the you know the black plague would still show up because they were drinking feces water, apparently, <laughs> because once they cleaned up, you know, the feces water, right. man, that, that stuff just went away. No more Black Plague. It's amazing. The vaccines worked, right. you know, right. after and 150 years. They saved years, us all. I mean, and, you they know. They saved us all. <laughs> Look at Scarlet. You know, Scarlet Fever. That's killed, real science. Scarlet Fever killed more people than polio ever did. Do you know why yeah. we never talk about Scarlet Fever? Because no. it was eradicated by itself. It just naturally <laughs> eradicated itself. But can you imagine had we introduced a vaccine, no matter how bad it was, scraping the testicles of some, you know, <laughs> yeah. porcupine, we figured out that this does it if you stick this down your throat. Oh, my God, it works. We eradicated <laughs> works. scarlet fever. <laughs> well, it is amazing to hear the stories from 1750. You know, you can read the history. And they're like, literally, they are. They're scraping pox yeah. off of cows. And then they're shoving this stuff down your kid's throat. And they had vaccine injury back then. Like, Are no you kidding? kidding. <laughs> no you kidding. Know? But what's like, shocking is yeah. the process has not actually evolved a whole lot. I mean, I science and vaccines is over 100 years old. They're still <laughs> scraping eggs and egg grease and putting aborted fetal tissue and growing things on monkey kidneys and little monkey kidney parts and throw some aluminum there, some formaldehyde and, you know, I don't know, polysorbate AB. We got an MSG for oh. Around here, let's throw some of that in here. Did you see the CDC? I think maybe a couple months, maybe six months ago, finally, after people like you, I'm sure, have been asking for the list of what's in this stuff. You know, they uh, finally were like, okay, here's the list. And you're looking at it and you're like, my God, like bovine serum. Yeah. What about all the vegans out there that are injecting themselves with this Vegetarians, stuff? you know, pro-environment, yeah. yeah. save the environment, get GMOs out of my food and then inject every chemical and meat product into my kids <laughs> in a needle that goes straight into their bloodstream. Well, and you know, the other thing that's kind of mind blowing is that like, okay, I can kind of get the idea of you inject a little bit of the disease into you and your body builds up some immune systems. Sure. But do we have to have the thimerosal? You know, do we have to have Pretty the good. aluminum? Yeah. What well, the hell is that all about? And nobody's even talking about that. Why, where, why are you putting this crap in there? They have to. I mean, that's all. I could go on to a whole show. I know the science behind it. That's the problem. Yeah. Look, if you could just inject a little tiny bit of a virus in some salt water and then the body fights it. You know, that would be great. We should, you know, there's, there's actually something that does that. What you've just described is homeopathy. Right. I mean, that's what's amazing. When people describe how a vaccine works, they're actually describing homeopathy. Which all you know? these very same people will call, that's quack, so right. that's not real science, of course. That's, that's exactly yeah. the principle you think vaccines are based on. The yeah. problem, you know, but vaccines have to have aluminum. They have to have mercury because what, the only way these products work is to send your body into an allergic toxic shock reaction that's the only way your body recognizes that this little virus is crawling around inside it because you were never ever getting a virus in your arm we only get neurotoxins we've been bit by snakes we're designed our body's designed to register a neurotoxin right. coming into our arms we've never sure. gotten a virus through our arms we don't get right. bacteria through our arms unless we get a deep wound or something like that it always came through our nasal passages our eyes our mouth and our lungs so the wow. entire alarm system that tells our body, you've just got an intruder and you better fight it, you better create antibodies and you better get cellular memory of what's happened here so that you save yourself in our infinite scientific wisdom. We said, well, let's just bypass the whole natural system that was designed and let's go right. to the arm that was never designed to have this information. <laughs> and, the, and then that's the beginning of a road down, you know, I think the well, sure. vaccines was, was genuine. I think it seemed like a brilliant idea. And we know the yeah. casualties from the very beginning. And I think my theory is that they said, just keep, we're, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix the problems with this, but get people behind it because this is the future. And they kept going and they kept creating more. And we'll just stay, but we have all these problems. People are dying. People are getting sick. They're having all these other Don't worry about it. We can fix that, but we are stopping the disease we're after. So let's stay focused there. That's right. what's happened. We now have 100 years where they just stopped. They could never figure out how to stop the casualties. They couldn't stop the carnage of people that for some reason had a predisposition to other diseases caused by these vaccines. 
Right. But they were so far down telling people this was the greatest thing that ever was that now your own well, health departments refuse to investigate it because they know it outs we've made a wrong turn in history. And it's, of course, it's a huge moneymaker. I mean, it's the one thing that you're there saying, you know, we got to, oh, there's herd immunity. We got to give everybody these things in order to eradicate the disease. And so, you know, if everybody has to get them, well, they're making billions and billions of dollars. But I want to go back to what you just said. You just basically said in order for a vaccine to work, they have to inject a poison with it into you. So so it's like, so then when an anti quote unquote anti-vaxxer, which is a terrible term because you know what, anybody that says, gosh, I'd rather get the MMR at three years instead of 18 months or the anti-vaccine. What the hell, you know? Um, but, but you know, when, when you say God, you know, people seem to be getting toxicity from too many vaccines and they go, well, you're crazy. And you go, well, you've got to give them a a toxin with the vaccine to make the vaccine work. So what, where, isn't that science? Like, aren't we talking we science here? We are talking science. As Bobby Kennedy puts so. it, people that are like, they're safe, you know, you're anti-vaccine, you know, you're, you, mer- this is a safe form of mercury. He says, right. you're no longer <laughs> arguing with me, you're arguing with the periodic table. Mercury is, this, you know, <laughs> the most toxic non-radioactive substance <laughs> yeah. on earth. It's like a hundred times more toxic, 10 or a hundred times, I forget, between 10 and a hundred times more toxic than lead. But I mean, it's worse than lead. And look yeah. at what we do when we try to take the paint off. You got respirators. You got everything to try and get lead out of your house. But you're right. taking something that makes lead look like, you know, nothing. And you're injecting it straight into a pregnant mother right. with a developing fetus this big. Can you imagine mom eating a paint chip? Just, oh, don't worry about it. It's just a, it's just a trace amount of lead. <laughs> yeah, don't right. worry about it. Oh, by uh, the way, don't touch any fish coming out of the ocean because that filter in the meat that has this tiny microscopic amount of mercury could actually ruin the health of your baby. Right, right, totally. Rather, inject oh. it straight into your vein. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just mainline. I'm anti science. I'm a that's crazy talk. I'm a crazy man. I'm <laughs> yeah, putting things right. together that just don't come together. You can't you can't uh-huh. make that comparison. You can't make the comparison of mercury and fish and mercury and vaccines. I can't. Yeah. I can't believe how many people I've talked to that just think that the system of science, you know, you can, I don't know, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, reproducibility crisis where these peer-reviewed journals, you know, they they just publish this stuff and then they can't reproduce the, the experiments in another lab. But people just believe in the system of science so much that they can't believe that it can be corrupted by corporate money, that the mainstream media can be corrupted by corporate money. I mean, I, or that it, the health departments of a free nation can be corrupted by right. money. And that is that is the thing that's been the most depressing for me. I'm not happy to have to sit here to to investigate this. I wanted to be wrong. I'm honest. Like I did not when it's one of those things that you're like, God, I hope this isn't true. I hope right. that our government and our regulatory agencies, the CDC is supposed to be protecting us from dangerous vaccines and dangerous drugs. So is the FDA and the EPA. I mean, th- this is the crisis of our time right now. I and mean, one of the things right. where I kind of look at things differently, people are really angry with Trump's going to abolish. He's going to destroy our, you know, our regulatory bodies, the FDA, the EPA, the CDC. Yet mm-hmm. in, in another paragraph on another page, you'll find out that the EPA got paid off to not Tell people about the dangers of glyphosate, you know, the Monsanto yeah. product that's sprayed over all of our food. Internal emails showing that the EPA just slid this through and, and stayed out of the way when they knew it was causing harm. So there was a study. Yeah, go ahead. There was a there. I'll just uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but there was a study. I think it came out just last week, got almost no coverage from the mainstream media where they they went back and they found out that in the 1980s, the EPA had been outsourcing um testing for for toxicity levels in different chemicals and they've discovered that then this outsource company had you know t- thousands of toxins that they tested and, and given the thumbs up giving them back the epa found out that uh they, it was all fraudulent really they were just, they were just wow. giving it the green light surprise, and surprise, uh, the government agencies shouldn't be farming yeah. out their work to random <laughs> uncontrolled you know businesses and and what did they decide to do you know they decided to cover it up they didn't yeah, well, because figure. look at that's human nature. We have that from the moment we're three years old. You get caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. You know, <laughs> right. you spilled 10 billion gallons of oil. What do you do? You don't call people in to tell them you did it. You start 
pouring crap on the water to make it sink and hide so that nobody sees it. <laughs> right. That's what you do. And that's yep. why we need regulatory agencies. But my final point is this. I think Trump would do us a favor. Go ahead and destroy the FDA. Destroy the EPA. Destroy the CDC. Because at least in that moment, every citizen in this country will realize you are on your own. You better read every damn thing wrapped around any vaccine, any product, anything you eat, anything you drink, and then investigate it as far as you can, because your regulatory agencies are no longer doing that for you. They've all been commandeered by the businesses. EPA has Exxon people and Monsanto people in it. FDA has Monsanto people and Bayer people and Merck people. CDC has Merck people. I mean, it's over, folks. We are not right. being protected. They're not there. So I say obliterate them. At least then we would honestly and realistically treat ourselves the way we should. We should not be trusting our government to be taking care of us any longer. They yeah. don't care about you. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a perfect place to end it. Thanks a lot, Del. Do you uh, have some contact information or let people know what you're doing now and where they can go for some more information? Absolutely. We're tearing it up. We're putting out all sorts of viral videos right now. Um, but the best way, just follow me at Del Bigtree, uh, D-E-L-B-I-G-T-R-E-E -E on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I just got into a little Twitter tangle with Chelsea Clinton herself the other day, so it's fun to watch. Um, nice. And I have a show, High Wire, uh, which is um, you can find it through my Facebook page or at Del Bigtree. You'll see the YouTube channels and all that. That's every Thursdays at 11 a.m. Uh, California time. All right. Very cool. Thanks for being on the show. And if you have liked what you've heard here on The Shift, you can think about becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com backslash The Shift. You want to find out more information about this program, join us on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty or go to theshiftnow.com for any more information and for the archives of all my other shows. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, and thank you, Dell, for being on part of The Shift. It's been great being here, Doug. You have a good one, man, and thanks for, for telling the truth and getting it out there. Yep, you too, Dell. Thanks a lot. Take care.